You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. We will be going over probably to the Gospel of John first. Uh, but So I'm going to start a new series this morning. I don't have any slides for you uh, today. So I really encourage you to take something out to write with, write on. I hope you brought your Bible with you in one form or another. Follow along, highlight things, underline things. I know that what I like to do whenever I'm listening to a message, you know, particularly when we're at going to church or going to a conference or something like that where I'm not driving, <laughs> uh, I like to at least write down the scripture references so I can revisit them. You know, I was thinking about this again, the the verse that just, I've loved this verse my whole life, but it just keeps going over and over and over in me, is over in Mark chapter 4, I think we just looked at it a week or two ago, verse 24, where Jesus said, the measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear is the measure of of knowledge and virtue, virtue meaning power there, not just, you know, we think of virtue, it's like virtuous behavior. Well, virtue in the scripture usually refers to power. So the amount of thought and study we give to the word that we hear determines the amount of knowledge and virtue, power, that comes back to us. So we have a responsibility in this. And so it's it's really important that we, uh, and so I just ask you, um, to to take down at least take down the scripture references. Uh, usually we have some slides you can take pictures of. Whatever, just so you take it home with you. Spend some time praying over it. Write down the things God says to you during this. I have to write everything down. I used to try to write everything down. Don't have to write everything down. But what you do with the word that you hear is going to make all the difference. So I want to begin to talk to you this morning about some some things about the Holy Spirit. And this morning's this, uh, usually, I'm just going to give you a very broad overview. So we're going to bounce around a bit in the scripture. Uh, we, of course, as a men's group, have been for a long time uh, in a book about hosting the presence of God, learning how to be sensitive to his presence and his moving, uh, about how the Holy Spirit lives in us and, and what he does. And so I just want to lay out a lot of foundation on this uh, this morning it is to me, I guess we prayed this just a little bit ago, it's a stunning truth that God has chosen to create us not just to be servants or robots. Some people wonder why it is that God doesn't micromanage everything that happens on earth. Things would go a lot smoother if he did. But he doesn't. And the reason he doesn't is because he's not seeking robots. He's not seeking rats in a maze. He's not, he didn't create us like that. He created us to actually be his, to be in partnership with him, to choose him, to pursue him, to walk with him, and to be changed by him, to be his disciples. He, he, he really wasn't looking for those who just react to the circumstances around them. He's called us as children, and he has called us, the Bible uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul refers two different ways. One, he calls us the temple of the Holy Spirit individually. I believe that's in chapter 6, verse 19. 
And he also calls us collectively. You can't always see that in your translations, but that's if you dig it out in the original language, that's what he's saying. Collectively as a church, as a family, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He actually wanted to live in us and to move through us. It's been his design forever. It was that way for Adam and Eve, and then they blew it. And then throughout time, he made these covenants and made a way to come as close to his people as he possibly could, given the sin condition in the earth until Jesus came, died for our sins, took care of that issue. And then anyone who would choose him, he comes to live in us by the Holy Spirit. But in the church, for whatever reason, uh, there has been division for centuries, I, I imagine since very shortly after Jesus left, about what the Holy Spirit's role is. So I just want us to uh, to look at this. Again, I'm going to give you a lot of broad statements today. We'll dig into some more things as we go on. I titled this The Well and the River because very broadly, Jesus defined the role of the Holy Spirit in these in these two pictures, these two illustrations for us. And one that we probably will look at if we get there this morning is that the Holy Spirit, when he comes into us, and that's an important word, when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes into you to live in you. And and essentially he does that for you. He begins to minister on the inside of you and change you. That is, Jesus, Jesus said, that it, he would be like a well of water living within us. Water is often used as a picture of the Holy Spirit or the life of God throughout Scripture. Then over in John chapter 7, he, he said that when the Holy Spirit has uh, come upon us for believers, he will be like a river of living water, which is a different picture than a well. One is a well, somewhere you go to draw fresh water. The other is a, a, a powerful flow outward. So we always say it this way, and again, we'll get into this more, that he, when we get born again, he comes into us for us. He begins to transform us. The, the result of that is the fruit of the Spirit. It has changed character. We become different people. When we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Bible says he comes upon us and he comes upon us for others. He comes upon us so that he can flow out like a river, like a powerful river to other people and bring change and life to them. So we have these two pictures and, and we're going we're gonna to look at them. But again, I just want to lay some foundation first. Just about everybody, everybody I know uh, that is anywhere within the scope of Christianity and, and various doctrines they acknowledge that there's a Holy Spirit. Where we differ sometimes is over what his role is. What does he do? And what is his role today? Is it the same as it was in the New Testament church? Is it not? Okay. And, and so people, you know, begin to unfortunately have sort of factions that, that rise up in this. Uh, and, and so there are some Christians that look at the role of the Holy Spirit only as developing Christian character, working within us, making us different, okay? Speaking to us, bringing truth to us, and he does all those things. There are other believers that believe that in addition to that, just like in the life of Jesus and just like in the book of Acts, 
Yes, he does that, but he also flows out from us. In the one case, you have the fruit of the Spirit. In the other case, you have the gifts of the Spirit, again, broadly speaking. In the one case, you have fruit. You have changed character. You become more like Christ. Yes, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. In the other case, you have power that goes out from you. You have, it's where Jesus assigned us to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Well, that's not because you are special or I am special. It's because you've received a ministry of the Holy Spirit that flows out from you. Okay, uh, we, we have the gifts of the Spirit laid out in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there are various ways that the Holy Spirit manifests himself at specific times in specific places to minister to people specific ways. So he will bring something through one person that's for another person. It touches the person that's coming through, but it's really for an aspect of ministry. So there's no, there really is no indication in Scripture, that the Holy Spirit's role has ever changed, that the Holy Spirit has ever changed, that he's ever changed. And in church history, there's never been a time, never, when the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, was not in evidence in the earth. It's not in evidence everywhere because it has to be received. It has to be accepted. But it is in evidence the Holy Spirit moving in power through believers has always been in evidence. And you can go back through church history and you can trace move after move after move after move after move of the Holy Spirit where he moved upon groups of people or nations or places or times and and there would be an upwelling of the, the gifts of the Spirit and miracles and that kind of thing. And then inevitably what happens, and this happened in the ministry of Jesus, who got mad at Jesus? Who got mad at him when he healed somebody on the wrong day? Who got mad at him when he he, uh, cast out a devil during church instead of after church? Who tried to throw him off a cliff? Who did those things? Religious people. Religious people people. And by religion, I, I don't mean having a, a biblical faith. I mean having a structure that is devoid of power, but just a structure where if we do these things, then we'll be okay with God. We've got to do this set of things, then we're okay with God, rather than a relationship with him and a receiving of what he has for us. But you can, in fact, if you want to read about that, there's a good book called Quenching the Spirit, and it's by a guy named William D. Ortega. And it's a great book that chronicles uh, different moves of God, beginning with Jesus and what happened there and how at each time the, the Holy Spirit would begin to move in life and power and then religious factions would rise up and quench the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called quenching the Spirit. And, and then there, but the Holy Spirit... He's good at what he does. He just rise up somewhere else in the earth and begin to, you know, uh, bring on another revival, essentially, another awakening. So we see in the scripture that Jesus spent, these are the verses we're going to look at today. He spent a bunch of time right before he went to the cross, right before, the night before. If you look at John chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, he spent a lot of his last moments 
talking to his disciples about the coming Holy Spirit. And he even then later, it was so essential to the kingdom of God being established on earth, he actually forbade them. He said, do not leave Jerusalem. You find this in the beginning of the book of Acts, right? Do not leave Jerusalem. Wait here for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He'd already assigned them to go into all the world to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. He'd given them these assignments. They already had the assignment, but he said, don't start yet. Wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It was that important to Jesus. So I, I just want to go through some of these again for a lot of you. You know this stuff, but when we're talking to people about this, we need to be able to, I don't want to be a faction who believes that the Holy Spirit's still doing what he's always done. I want to be a person that believes that the Holy Spirit is doing what he's already done. I know that he is. But I don't want to be a faction. I don't want to fight with people. I want to help people who are sincerely seeking to see some things in the scripture that maybe they never saw. You know, we grew up with pastors who uh, grew up in a denomination that for them, they were just never, I mean, the Holy Spirit was not mentioned except in prayer. They just did not, and they were big Bible people, but they didn't teach on 1 Corinthians. They didn't teach the book of Acts. They just left a lot of things unsaid. We just aren't touching it because they believed that all that passed away with the last disciple. It doesn't say anything like that anywhere in the scripture. All right, we know other people who've been taught that they grew up in a situation that, well, if there's, if there's any manifestation of the Holy Spirit, that's the devil. So you may have been taught any number of things. Where, well, the, uh, what I grew up in, as much as I grew up in anything, the Holy Spirit, all I ever knew was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, that's all I ever heard, you know. It was, it was a prayer. It was, I knew he's part of the Godhead. I wouldn't even know that term. But, you know, that was all I knew. I didn't know anything about and think about this. We we touched on this in men's group last week. It wasn't the subject. It just came up. You have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are three individual persons who are one person. They are exactly the same in nature. They are exactly the same in, in purpose. They are one. There is one God in three persons. And all of our brains go, I don't get that. And it's like, yeah, I know. It's too big for our brains. But we just have to accept it by faith. But each of them has a different expression, a different role. And so the way, uh, there were some other ways that came up. The way I like to look at that is the Father is the source. He's the creator. He's the beginning of all things. He, he the whole and this still, there's no way to unlimit this because of our brains. But the whole of creation and salvation and relationship with man and, and all of that, all of it, came out of the heart of the Father. The Father was the source of all that. He had the dream in his heart to have a relationship with you and I. That's astounding. It's astounding. But he did. Jesus, it says, was the word of God throughout eternity past. So, so the Father's like the source. He's the one with the dream. He's the one with the idea. Jesus is like 
the architect that comes along and takes somebody's dream, but makes it tangible, makes it visible. He takes the thoughts of God and he is the word. The only way I can know your thoughts is if you speak to me. And I know we could be broader than that, but you get what I'm saying? He is the word. He makes what is in the heart of God knowable. And then the Holy Spirit is like the contractor that that builds the whole thing, that brings it into reality in the physical realm. And that's where we live right now. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. It is the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus is in me. Yeah, he is through the Holy Spirit. And I'm not trying to separate them. I'm just saying we need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to we need to not be nervous. Why are we more nervous about the Holy Spirit than about Jesus? I think it's mostly because we've been taught about Jesus. We can and we can we can see him, and there's part of his role was to come and take on flesh and, and live like us so that we could see what that looks like. I get that. But then he said. I'm going to send my spirit. Let's look at some let's look at some verses of scripture. Are you with me? Let's turn over to uh John chapter 14. You know, we don't want to move in a bunch of assumption about the Holy Spirit either. There's all kinds of opinions about this. But let's just look at a few passages here. Um John chapter 14, we'll just start in verse 15. So again, this is the night before Jesus that he's to be crucified. This is just hours before he's going to be crucified. And he's using this time to tell them this. It's got to be important. He said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor. Some of your Bibles say helper. Some of them say uh, comforter. Some of them, if you have an amplified Bible, it gives you a whole list. But anyway, this is the New International Version. It says, I'll give you another comforter. I want you to notice those words. To be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. This is interesting. These people were not born again. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't paid for sin yet. They were disciples of Jesus, but they weren't born again yet. They couldn't be. And yet he says, you know him because he is with you. He will be in you. That change happened at the cross. That change really happened at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Actually, it happened before that. It happened after the resurrection. And we'll look at that later, maybe. Jesus said, you know him. So you can have a knowledge like a, an acquaintance, I guess, with the Holy Spirit if you're with somebody that has the Holy Spirit living in them. You can, you can know them. That's how they knew they'd seen Jesus. So he told them, you've seen the Father. They'd also seen how the Holy Spirit moved. But they didn't know him the way we know him. I don't think we get how much things changed at the cross. I really don't. I think we are so used to the age that we live in and and all the things that changed with Jesus going to the cross, his availability, uh, just how close a relationship we can have with him, the idea that the Holy Spirit lives in us. I honestly, I think we get jaded on the whole thing. And I don't mean we don't appreciate it. I'm not saying that, but... 
but we've been in this. For some of us, we can still remember the moment that Jesus came into our life. Some of you grew up in Christian homes, and it might be that you've been, you've known, you've really known the Lord all your life, and that's a blessing. But a lot of us didn't. And, and we came out of darkness and into light, and it was totally different. And yet, I mean, for me, that was 40-some years ago, uh, at least. And so I've been living in this for a long time. And just like anything else, I think sometimes we need to stop and we need to remember just what it was like to not have him. He becomes, he lives in us. He becomes such a part of us. He, I think he leads us and guides us and speaks to us all the time. And yes, we can and we need to become more sensitive to him, more aware, like we sang this morning, of his presence. That's, I just... Every time I think about that, I ought to think about it every day. But every time I think about that, I really do hunger for that. I want to be, I know I can be a lot more aware of your presence in me and on me and what you're doing. What are you thinking? What are you, you know, here's this situation. How do you view it? You know, we can become more aware of that. But we live in a different realm than these people did. Jesus told them, you know him, for he lives with you in Jesus, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So first of all, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. That word another is so important. It is a Greek word that means another of the exact same kind. In Greek, they use the word heteros, where we get heterosexual and other things, to to describe another of a different kind. All right, here's two humans. They are both humans. One is male, one is female. They are another of a different kind. But he said that the Holy Spirit was another, it's the Greek word alos, A-L-L-O-S, of the exact same kind. So that means when the Holy Spirit comes, he's exactly like Jesus. He says exactly what Jesus is saying. He does exact and and Jesus told us he said, he only said what he heard the Father saying, only did what he saw the Father doing. The Holy Spirit's the same way. They are the same. They're individuals, but they are the same. So it's it's curious to me that we get nervous about receiving the Holy Spirit or allowing him to move in a greater way in and through us, but we'd be comfortable with Jesus. They're the same. He's not going to ask you to do or be or say anything that he doesn't hear from the Father. Does that make sense to you? Another counselor. That word uh, counselor is a word that, that means helper, it's much stronger than that. It means it's a, um, it's a compound Greek word that means the first part is parakletos. The first part para means to come right up alongside as close as you can be to somebody, inseparable. So the Holy Spirit comes to us and he's just, he's right, he's actually inside us. But the best word they had was para. It means you're right together. You're inseparable. You're not moving apart from one another. And the other part comes from the word for calling. He was called 
by the Father alongside. It's his role. He was called to come alongside. And that that word, um, kletos, speaks of someone who comes to be a legal advocate. It always was used of a legal advocate. It was used of anybody who rendered aid to someone in any way. So if you were a counselor, if you were a comforter, if you were uh, a helper, if you were an aide, if you were anybody who would render assistance, then this was the word for it. So this is the one who renders assistance, but he comes right to us and stays with us and is in us forever. That's who he is. Let's depend on him. Let's depend on him. But so Jesus then, I, I love this. He said, you know him for he lives in you, will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he's saying, I'll come to you in the person. This is not just the second coming. This is I'll come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. He implies here that for him to leave and not send the Holy Spirit would be child abandonment. It would be leaving us as orphans. And he said, I won't do that. I will send the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? I will send the Holy Spirit. So he sends him to love. He sends him to to render aid. He sends him to, you know, anybody who receives aid, that it, it enables them to do something they couldn't do before. It enables them to rise above something. That's all contained in this idea about the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's go over to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, begin in verse 5. John 16, 5. He says, now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. He said, I'm, I'm going away. I'm leaving. You can, I say you can imagine. I doubt we can imagine the grief and the fear that came upon them with that statement. They still thought he was going to set up the throne right then. Kick Rome off their back. They still thought that. They were still asking him that after the resurrection. He says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good or for your benefit that I am going away. You know, I, I always, I wrestle with this. I, I don't wrestle with what he's saying. I know what he's saying is the truth, but I try to put myself in their position and try to imagine there, Jesus is leaving and it's going to be better for us. It's, it's just, I'm sure it was difficult for them. Evidence by hiding in the upper room for quite some time. Uh, he says, unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So it actually, the idea here is we are better off living this side of the cross with the Holy Spirit sent to us than people who walked physically with Jesus. You just got to accept it. What we have now, and, th- and that's why he said, you know, these, uh, you'll do the same works I do and greater works. We were going in to a, to a better covenant. We live in a better covenant with better promises. Notice that Jesus always referred to the Holy Spirit with a personal pronoun. He called him he, himself, or him, always. 
He never called the Holy Spirit it. The Holy Spirit is not just an invisible force from God. He is not uh, just, you know, float, just this spirit that floats around and has no personality. He is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is the, the, the one who is facilitating the work of God on earth today. And he has the exact same personality, the exact same uh, nature as Jesus and the Father. All right, John chapter 16, let's look at verses 12 through 15. Okay, verse, beginning of verse 12. I love this. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. So the coming of the Holy Spirit, he, he said, right now, you can't bear everything I want to give to you. Why? Because they couldn't be born again yet. They couldn't have the Holy Spirit living in them yet. You couldn't bear everything I want to reveal to you. That's awesome. That's just awesome. And, and so obviously in the future, you will be able to bear it. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. One translation says he will guide you into the whole fullness of truth. There's so much more to the word that we can receive. I re- that's the thing I probably remember most about giving my life to Jesus is all of a sudden the word of God came alive. It was different. The word was different. There's still parts I don't get, but that isn't the point. It suddenly came alive and began to feed me. Now I know that's because the Holy Spirit came in. Okay, He will lead you and guide you into the whole truth. That's good because you can ask him questions. Okay, He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is to come. Now get this. This boggles my mind. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So every time the Holy Spirit brings revelation to us, it actually glorifies Jesus. All right? He is the word. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine, what belongs to Jesus, and making it known to you. Well, that's cool. What belongs to Jesus? All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So what wisdom does God have? What application does he have? What counsel does he have? What what principle does he have? What advice does he have? What knowledge does he have that is unavailable to us? None. None. I know it takes us time to get it. I'm not talking about that. That's us, okay? But the Holy Spirit is here to bring everything that the Father has to us. Turn over with me. Um, I'm definitely going to run out of time. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we'll just start reading. Uh, and let's, let's just go all the way to verse 9. It's all good. It's a great chapter. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. This is a quote from the Old Testament. It says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen. This is talking about our natural being here. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So in other words, in the natural being, we can't get it all. We can't bear it all. We can't see it all. We, we just can't get it. 
But God, verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Let me, I'm going to switch translations here. I'm going to go over to the Amplified. Verse 10, yet to us God has unveiled and revealed them, his thoughts for us, by and through his spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. And then he goes on and he says, for, for what person perceives or knows or understands what passes through a man's thoughts except his own spirit within him? Just so no one discerns, comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So he's saying, you know, only your, only your spirit knows your thoughts. Okay, my spirit doesn't know your thoughts, but only your spirit knows your thoughts. Only the Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God. And he digs into them. I love that sounding. That just, you know, just when they go out in the ocean and they see how deep it is. You know, he goes into the deep fathomless things of God, and he does it to bring it to you. It says in uh, verse 12, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So what, what Jesus was saying is, you can't bear everything I have for you right now, but once I go to that cross, I'm raised from the dead. The Holy Spirit is poured out 50 days later, you are going to be able to, you are going to have somebody inside of you that is the divine search engine. He will go when you have an issue and he will dig into the profound, bottomless wisdom of God and bring out what you need. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He will reveal it to you. He will, it's not that he makes a, a, a piece of wisdom from God. He doesn't create it right then. He reveals it. He opens our eyes to it. This is who the Holy Spirit is. We should be depending on him for these things. When we have issues, and I know you do, we go to prayer. Don't get frustrated when you don't get the answer that you're looking for right away or you're still confused about. Don't get frustrated. Just know this person lives in you and this is his job. This is his nature. He loves to reveal the Father's heart to you. So the more time we spend with him, the more sensitive we're going to get to that. And then we've got to start to trust what we're hearing. And that's really a whole other subject. Uh, But we've got to begin to trust that, okay, I think the Lord showed me this. So I'm going to step out on it. I'm going to, I'm going to take a step out here. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to test this because I don't fully trust me. I trust you, Lord, but I don't fully trust me. I'm going to step out. Or maybe he gives you something like this morning for somebody else. Maybe he gives you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or or something for someone else to share with them. And you just got to be willing to step out and trust him and deliver that to somebody else. Um, we only have a couple minutes left. Let me, um, I'm just going to introduce this whole thing. Where I want to go from here is to talk to you about these these two ideas. In fact, let's just Let's just look at both of these verses real quick. Let's go to John chapter 4. Okay, John chapter 4, beginning with about verse 14. This is the story of the woman at the well, right? And we won't go into all of it. There's a lot of it. But Jesus is talking with this woman. We all know she was a Samaritan woman. Uh, he, He brought her a word of knowledge saying, 
uh, to, to get her attention and help her to realize who he was so that she could receive what he had for her. He brought her a word of knowledge about the fact that she had had uh, five husbands and was living with somebody that wasn't her. He didn't do that to condemn her. He did that to wake her up that this, this is the Messiah. This is somebody I need to listen to. But what he says to her here is one of the pictures that we have of the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, he said, well, hang on, verse 13, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. In other words, whoever drinks natural water, you're going to get thirsty again. He says, but whoever drinks the water I give him, the way it reads in our Bibles is, will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. All right, now I just want to say this, and I'm going to take time to back it up so you can take it or leave it. Uh, in the scripture, there is this, in the kingdom, there is this uh, principle that works that we get hungry or thirsty for the things of God, meaning we want to put a draw on God. We want more of him, more of his life. And we go to him and he fills us and we get refreshed. But at the same time, we still want more of him. So he's not saying that once you get a drink of me, you'll never pursue God again. You'll never want to drink more deeply of him. He's not saying that. He's saying something will be provided for you that will become a well of water bubbling up within you bubbling up within you. Now over in John chapter 7, uh, verses 37 and 38, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and go there. Sorry, I'm just getting rushed because it's time for me to quit. I hate quitting. In John chapter 7, verse 37, it says on the last and greatest day of the feast, that's really important, but I don't have time to share it with you this morning. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams or rivers of living water will flow from within him. All right. I'm out of time, so I'm not going to go into either of those. We'll pick them up next week. But here's the picture. All right. In one case, Jesus says, when you drink of me, you take my life on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit comes into you and he acts like a well of water. A well of water is a place that you can go back to over and over and over and draw something out. Just like we just read out of 1 Corinthians. You draw out the life of the Holy Spirit. That means we got to learn to put a draw on the Holy Spirit. Okay. But that word well doesn't just mean a stagnant pool, okay? The idea there, he says that that well will bubble up. That terminology is never, ever used of something that's not alive. It's used of people. It's interesting because Jesus uses it of water, but it's living water. That term means a person that is rising up or jumping up. That's what it's, that's what it's used for. And, it, and so he says the Holy Spirit will be in you. But if you think about a well, there is a spring underneath the well that is filling. It's not flooding over. One of the translations says it's a fountain. It's not a fountain like we're thinking of that shoots up and spreads everywhere. 
It's, but it is a well that is continually refreshed. It is not stagnant. It doesn't grow old. It's this continual flow of life of the Holy Spirit that is in us. It's a well. It's in us. It's not moving. It's not going anywhere. It's in us. Then over in John chapter 7, he says, now he gives us a picture of the Holy Spirit where water is being poured out there in their ceremony. And he's saying, rivers are going to flow out of you. Living water is going to come out of you as a river. Well, which is it? Is it a well that produces character or is it a river that produces power? He's both. He's both. And one's not more important than the other. He has both of those roles in us. Now, I had to rush through that. Now, we'll take more time that we can get into that. But we need to understand, yes, the Holy Spirit is in me to change me and to bring character and to bring revelation and to give me the wisdom of God and all of that. But he also wants to be upon you to flow out of you in power to other people. We'll get into this more in the next coming weeks. I have to quit. Okay, did you get anything out of this? Typical first day. I could go on for two hours, but you don't want me to. Let's stand up and let's pray together. And I'll say this right now. If you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about being baptized in water. I'm talking about being saturated with the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit has come to live on the inside of you. But Jesus then, to people who had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them, said, wait and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you will receive power and then you will be my witnesses. So if you're in here this morning and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we're done here, if you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come up here and I would be happy to explain things to you the best I can and pray for you, okay? Let's pray. Father, I just, Lord, I, as always, I trust you to make sense of all this. And Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have sent. Lord, we don't want to be contentious about this. We want to understand this. We want the fullness of everything that Jesus bought for us. We want it all. And so, Lord, wherever there are questions, I trust you to answer them. I trust your word to answer them. Lord, where we go out of this place, we go out with your spirit on the inside to speak to us, to lead us, to transform us, to produce godly character in us. And Lord, we go out with your spirit upon us to pour out to others. We trust you to give us opportunity this week to speak words, to bring comfort, to lay hands on the sick. We invite you to move through us in the gifts of the Holy Spirit to bring light and healing and blessing to those around us. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so about uh, 15, uh, probably 20 after today, uh, come on back in and we will have our financial meeting if you're interested in that. All right. If you're not interested in that, that's fine too. All right. Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.